take your Bibles and go to 1 John. We'll read our scripture for this evening, 1 John. First John chapter number four and verse number nineteen. First John chapter number four and verse number nineteen. First John chapter number four and verse number nineteen. I'm going to read this out loud to you, and then we're going to read this together and read it through once or twice. In a short verse here, but First John chapter number four and verse number nineteen, we have it. Okay, let's read. I'm going to read this out. I'll let you just follow along as I read. First John chapter four and verse number nineteen says this: We love him because he first loved us. Let's read that all together out loud. Ready? We love him because he first loved us. Let's read it again. Ready? We love him because he first loved us. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear God, I pray that you bless this evening. God, I pray that you bless your word. I pray that you'd help it not to return void as you promised. God, I pray that you'd help me to get out of the way and allow your word to be heard tonight. God, speak to our hearts. God, we're a needy people. And our spiritual lives are God, but as a collective, God, we need you to do a work in our hearts tonight. God, help us not to go into this, the remainder of this service thinking, what time are we going to get out? But God helps to go into it thinking, what can I get from God's word so I can apply it to my life? so I can be a better testimony for you. God, I pray that you'd help us to search our minds and our hearts. And God, help us to allow you to work freely in us. We love you. We thank you, dear God, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's been some time since I made up my mind to make Jesus Lord of my life. I faced the fear and shed many tears, but Jesus has stood by my side when I hear. Satan say, you're not even saved, you're traveling down the wrong track, but I recall once again, where grace withstood sin, down memory's lane, I take him back, and I take him back to the time old-fashioned meeting when the presence of God filled the air, when the saints were singing of grace and glory, sweet melodies seasoned with prayer, when one simple sermon from an old-fashioned priest was like a life to a poor dying slave and I walked him down the aisle to a place at the altar where grace fell and I know I got saved 
until it came from above and took its abode in my heart. Well, the sun now shines brighter, my burden is lighter, since Jesus gave me a new start. Now my song been changed, my life rearranged, my journey is now a new road, and when that old accuser, he tells me I am a loser, but I remind him how he lost my soul, and I take him back to the time meeting when the presence of God filled the air, when the saints were singing of grace and glory, sweet melodies seasoned with prayer. Oh, in one simple sermon from an old-fashioned preacher was like a If that doesn't stir your heart, and uh, there, and, and listen, in Christianity, I don't understand how Christians can listen to a song and it not stir them when it's talking about the love of Christ. I don't understand that. I, I come to tears every time I hear it, driving down the road, hear a song, talking about the blood of Christ, what Christ does, it brings a tear to my eyes. And I, sorry, but I get a little emotional still. And uh, not to do something for you. And uh, I think it's a big problem with our Christianity in America. It's not allowing of God, the truth of God, to stir our hearts. Stop allowing a song talking about the blood of Christ to stir our hearts. And we wonder why we're in such a mess that we're in, individually, but even as a country. I want to talk to you, and I try to be a help to you. I honestly do not know how long I will be tonight, uh, meaning short. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh boy. But I want to try to help you tonight, but more than help you, I want to challenge you. I was talking to our teenagers this evening, and I, I want to—I hate bragging on people because <laughs> it scares me to brag on people. But I was bragging on our teenagers, and bragging on them just for a second. I saw our teenagers tonight talking about their future. We have a lot of young people that have, at this point in their life, have given themselves to saying, "God, whatever you want, that's what I want." And uh, and I was talking to them tonight, talking to them about the future talking to them about preparing their heart for the future God has for them. Start now, preparing your heart. 
And uh, I thank God for a place like Anchor Baptist Church. And I thank God for a place like I grew up in, where my church growing up in Anchor Baptist Church here was more concerned about their future than just playing games. We're more concerned about building them for what God has for them down the road. I think we made a big mistake, and I'll say that I told this tonight. I think we made a big mistake in saying that Bible colleges are supposed to train our people for the ministry. I don't see that in the Bible. I think the local church is supposed to build that foundation. And, and my goal, if I say this, my, share my heart, my goal as a youth pastor is not to have good citizens coming out of our teen department. My goal as a youth pastor in our ministry is to say, we need young people that will serve God with their life, and that's what we're training you for. Now, whatever that may mean, that's up between them and God. But my, 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 I'm not just trying to have good citizens. I want to have godly young people that come out of our teen department. So I'm proud of them. And they're stepping up. Uh, we have one of them who's a, a, a bus captain. We have a couple of them that are helping teach in different ways. They're lead singing <laughs> downstairs. They're preparing and doing uh, different uh, different opportunities they have, maybe the young men to have to preach. They're working in junior churches. They're getting busy now in the ministry. Now in the ministry. Not, let's build a foundation now. You better thank God that we have a church that believes that and that builds that for their future. And I want to I want to talk to you tonight. I want to encourage you, but I'm going to challenge you tonight about something that is very dear to my heart. And as a Christian, it ought to be dear to your heart. We're going to read a bunch of scripture, and we're going to go to five different portions of scriptures and probably about thirty plus verses. And so I want you to get your Bibles and turn to First John if you're already there. Great, First John chapter four and verse number nineteen. We're going to start with our text verse, and then we're going to jump from scripture to scripture. So let's follow along. I want to try to help you tonight if you'll open your hearts. Uh, we've got to get away, and I'm going to say Christianity, but also Anchor Baptist Church, we've got to get away from showing up to church to mark a check, a box off in your list of to-do things, to-do list for the week. We've got to get out of the habit of saying church is just something I do on the weekend. And we got to get out of the mentality that I'm coming to church to hear the Word of God, but not obey the Word of God. We have a lot of people that come to church, and all of our churches, including this church here, we come in every week, we come and we hear the Word of God preached. And you cannot say, come to Anchorman Church, we do not hear the Word of God preached. We hear it every single service. It's not opinion time, it's the Word of God time. And we know that. And by the way, you ought to thank God for that. But it's been, it's been a long time in Christianity and in our churches, and I've caught myself doing this, and you know it's true if you are honest with yourself, that we get into this habit and this mundane thing about it's time to show up to church, and we show up, we hear some preaching, we sing some songs, we don't think about the words as we're singing them, we don't let God stir our heart for anything, and we turn around and we leave, and then we come back for the next service. And that has become our routine. And, it's, and if we're honest with ourselves, it's been a long time since we opened our hearts and said, God, I have got to hear from you tonight. America's churches are dying because of that one thing. We come to church to hear a, a, a nice message, it's a couple jokes and a couple points, and then go home. Instead of coming to church begging God, God, you've got to do something in my heart tonight. When's the last time in your mind and in your heart, when you've walked on and drove, driven onto this property, or walked in a church, and you said, God, I've got to hear from you tonight. 
God, I, you've got to do something special tonight. Amen. A lot of the failures in my life and a lot of failures in your life and our Christianity in an Anchor Baptist church can be summed up into that one fact that we don't really want to hear from God as much as we should. We say we do. And it's all cute to say we do. But for some people, this altar is a foreign thing. To some people, a tear in your eye is a foreign thing. I'm not saying you have to cry all the time. But when something's sung and the word of God is preaching, nothing shakes you. Nothing stirs you for God. I start asking questions about myself. <laughs> I, start, I start questioning Ryan Pleasure. I remember one time in Bible college, I it, it seemed like, Pastor, you talked about it as a pastor, about going week after week and even year and not really getting something from the Word of God that just like stirs you and how it bothers you. I remember that, I remember that in Bible college, hearing here preaching and going, God, I just feel like I'm, nothing is stirring my heart. What's going on? It bothered me. It bothered me to the point where I just kept begging God and begging God, is it this service? God, you've got to do something. And all the bother us in Christianity when we become very at ease in our Christian life. And all the bother us when, 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 when lost and dying souls don't stir our heart again. Those things ought to bother us. I want to be a help tonight, but I want, I'm going to challenge you tonight. Be very blunt tonight. Because sometimes in our Christianity, we need to be blunt. Uh, we need the honest truth. I want to help you tonight. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 19. We love him. Because he first loved us. I, I read that verse. It's one of the simplest verses in the Bible besides Jesus wept. Uh, one of the simplest verses in the Bible. And I read that verse and that stirs me. I ask myself, why do I serve God? And I read that verse and say, we love him because he first loved us. God, why do I do for you? We love him. Because if that could be your anthem in your Christian life, why, why do I do what I do? Why do I go through what we go through? Uh, why do we struggle and suffer in the Christian life? Why do we put up with the mocking of the world? We love him simply because he first loved us. Amen. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 well-known verse. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I want you to, I want you to point out here, it says holy, acceptable. It didn't say perfect. God does not expect us to be perfect. He wants us to always be trying to strive and striving for perfection, but he knows we're not going to be perfect. But if I could just be acceptable unto God, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Listen, last but ready, is your reasonable service. Once you go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 19, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Don't say people. Which is in you? Which you have of God, 
and ye are not your own. You don't belong to you. Christian, you don't belong to you. You gave that up when the day you got saved. You don't belong to you. Ready? For ye are bought with a price. We know what that price is. Jesus' blood on the cross. That price. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. You don't belong to you. You don't decide what you want to do for you. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. Ready? Look at the last part. Therefore, glorify God. Well, pay attention to that phrase. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Remember, you're not your own. Glorify God means bring glory to God in my body and in my spirit. Now, sometimes we show up to church and it's in our body, but we're not in the spirit. No, we're not glorifying God in our spirit. We're coming in all dreading of everything that's happened all week, and we can't get it off our mind. We have a hard time praising God in church because our spirit is just not the way it should be. We've allowed the influence of the world to get us down in our life and discourage us, and woe is me, instead of coming in realizing what God has done in your life and how good God is and knowing that he gets all the glory for everything in my life. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 34. Middle of your Bible, Psalm chapter 34. And we're going to read verse number 1 through verse number 9. Psalm chapter number 34. Psalm chapter number 34 and verse number 1. Follow along as I read. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, listen to that verse. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye, uh, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Think of the verse here in the book of Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Christian, do we realize the God that we serve? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, taste and see. The psalmist here was saying is, is, listen, I've been there. I know what it's like to be at the bottom, and I know what it's like to taste and see that my God is good. The Lord is good, and everything that he is hasn't changed for me. Hasn't changed. Why do we think in Christianity that our God has changed for some reason? Why, why do we have this concept that it's a different God than the God of the Bible? And it's a different God than the God of the old days. And it's a different God than the God of our heroes in the faith. No, it's the same God. It's the same God. The same way they were able to look at and say, oh, magnify the Lord with me and all his name exists. 
exalt his name together the same way they're able to say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's the proof. Here's what God's done. The same way, the same way that they were able to say that, we could say the same thing. But we're too distracted. We don't look at God the same way that we did when we first got saved. We become good professional Baptists. We come to church and we're supposed to. We pick up the psalm book and open it. And we sing proper, out loud, like you should. It does nothing for us. We have congregationals. And most of us don't realize what song we're singing half the time. But we sing it out of habit. Piano plays. We hear it, and without even thinking, we sing it. We never pay attention to the words. We never ask God, God, do something in my heart tonight. We hear the preaching of God's word, and pastor gets up, and he preaches God's word. And if we're not careful, we sit there with this numbingness inside of us saying, oh, I guess we're at church, and, you know, is it almost time to leave? And, and you know, another verse, and, oh, I thought he was done with that point, and now we're going on to another point. And I thought we, <laughs> I was, I laughed at Brother Cordry on, on Thursday. You said point number eight. I said, I have 11 points. <laughs> Where'd we get point number eight? And uh, you said last point, point number eight, and I was like, I got 11. And uh, the, we look down, and we go, oh, is there, one, is there another point? And he makes a joke and saying, you know, I got about 50 points. And we go, oh, boy, this can be a long one. Instead of, instead of, oh, what can I get from God's word tonight? You understand the difference between the first time you showed up to church and walked in and the spirit you had and the amazement you had to right now? Do you understand that? I want to ask this question. What has Christ done for you. If right now, without telling you that question, if I said, stand up and tell me what Christ has done for you, would you have something in mind? Would you have to pause for a second? I wonder, what Christ done for me? Huh. You know, I, I wonder, do I have a blessing? Uh, let me think about a praise. What has Christ done If you're in here tonight, hopefully you could say he saved you. I remember the day I got saved. You're talking about an old-fashioned altar, talking about the preacher preaching. I remember it in the middle of a revival. We, I was in Bible college. It was my uh, sophomore year in Bible college. We're having a, a revival. It was a men's meeting outside, and uh, Brother Rob Hicks was up preaching. And he was preaching away, and, and uh, I remember I, I was struggling with some things in my life. I was struggling with understanding if I was saved or not. I mean, I was battling with it constantly in Bible college, October 17, 2011. I remember that service as clear as day when God spoke to my heart, and I said, I can't do this any longer. I've got to figure something out. I can't, I can't wait. I, I don't care about the embarrassment that I'm in Bible college. I don't care what my peers think about me. I don't care what my friends think about me at the time. I don't care what, what you know, as Miss Sharon thinks about me. Uh, we were dating at the time, and I decided I don't care what she thinks. I, if I'm not saved, I need to get saved. And I remember going up to my dorm room and my chair in my dorm room there, number 830 in my dorm room, room 830, my chair was my altar at that time. And I, I got down on my knees and said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. Listen, God, I know that I do not deserve. And if I've never trusted in you, God, I trust you now. I remember what God did in my heart that day. I remember as clear as day what was going on in my heart before that. Growing up in a Christian home and 
the, and all the things that took place in our, in our family and the hatred and bitterness that was inside of me. Growing up in a Christian home, knowing the Romans wrote, I mean, just you knew it as a young kid, and, and it, was, it was very easy to quote, and you didn't have to think about it, and the, just the way we grew up. And, and I remember sitting there during the preaching, and, and he was uh, preaching away, and I remember the Lord pricking my heart and, and convicting me and saying, Ryan, you're not saved. I said, what do you mean I'm not saved? I grew up in church, and I know the Romans Road, and I told people about Christ. I know how to go to heaven. And he said, there's a difference between knowing how to go to heaven and actually being saved. And when he said that to me, I thought to myself, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm being saved. And for the first time in my life, went back to the day that I, that I was told that I got saved. Six-year-old boy at an altar at Anchor Baptist Church in Boston. And I said to myself, I really don't remember. I don't remember. I remember praying a prayer. I don't remember anything that we talked about. I remember just going for it because other people were going for it, but I don't really remember what I did. And that day, October 17, 2011, in Bible College, I said, I've got to get this thing settled. I've got to get this thing settled. Listen to me. And I've never looked back on it. I have never second-guessed it. I have never gone back and said, well, I wonder if that one worked. No, I never wondered that. After that day, I got saved. I never wondered that. Listen to me. And for what God has done for me, number one, God has saved me, and I know it. God has saved me, and I know it. So if there's something that I ought to do for him, for the mere fact that he saved me, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. For the mere fact that I know that I'm a child of God and I'm heading to heaven one day, I don't deserve it, don't even come any close, but I know that his grace is sufficient for my sins, and I know that I can say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. What has Christ done for you? Christian, what has Christ done for you? Okay, I'm going to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it again. Do you know that he saved you? Okay, okay, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me ask it again. You ready? No, I'm asking you, do you know? I'm not saying, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I'm saying, do you? Have you told yourself, hey, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Because sometimes in the Christian life, you ought to wake up sometime and tell your own self that, hey, remember, you're a child of God. You're heading to heaven. I'm not going to hell. And remind yourself about the day you got saved. Do you know that you're going to heaven? Oh, you know, but I've been in church all these years, so it doesn't really stir me. Do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, you know, I thought about it here and there, but... You know, it's just it's just been a long time, and I think about it, I know I'm going to heaven. Listen, some, sometimes you need to tell yourself to wake up and realize that you're a child of God, that you're on your way to heaven, and that God wants to use you, and realize how good God has been in your life. Now I'm headed somewhere. So number one, he saved me. Number two, he set my feet, <laughs> I like this, on solid think about this world and all the shifting sand and everything that's going on and as a Christian I can say that my feet have been set on the solid rock I know whom I have belief and am persuaded that he is able I, I don't need to be persuaded of anything else because I know where I stand 
been set on a solid rock. The songwriter said this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. My darkness fails his lovely face. I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around, listen to this, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope stay when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him be found think about that phrase when the trumpet sound will you be in him when the trumpet sounds will you be where you're supposed to be when the trumpet sounds will you still be living the will you still be living the Christian life dressed in his righteousness alone faultless to stand before the throne on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground, sinking sand. I know what my Savior's done for me. Do you know what Christ has done for you? Do you? You say, bro, oh, brother, yeah, I know what Christ has done. No, no, does it stir you at all? See, again, we come to church. We hear preaching. And we turn around and we go home. And before we even get out of the car, we forget about what was said in the preaching. We come to the altar to make a decision. Before we get outside, we've already forgotten the decision that we've made. It didn't stir you. We sing a song, the things I used to do, I don't do them more. There's been a great change since I've been born. And when God stirs your heart, listen to me, Christian, when God stirs your heart, there's a great change. Oh, there's a great change. I never forgot the day that God saved me. I never forgot the day that God called me to serve him. I didn't know what that meant. And by, by the way, by the way, neither do you and neither do I. You say, well, do you know God's will for you? In college, they always tell you, you know, do you know where you're going? I'm like, no. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? We got out of college. I'm going to go serve him. I'm going to go serve him. I'm not, not going to serve him because I don't have a position. I'm going to serve him either way. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to serve him. Amen. I'm going to say, child of God, I'm supposed to follow him and do what he asked me to do. Never forgot the day that God called me to serve him. It's clear as day. Did you know you're going to be a youth pastor that time? Nope. Did you know you're going to be in up north in Columbus, Ohio? Nope. Did you know you're going to have four kids? Nope. <laughs> Did you know you were going to do this? No, I didn't know. I just said I'm going to prepare myself to serve God. Whatever God puts me in, wherever he has me, that's where I'm going to serve him. See, we keep looking for a place to serve God. When God says, would you just serve me where you're at? Will you just do for me where you have? Will you just follow me where you have? See, we need to stop looking for some special thing and some special title in serving God and just say, hey, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I'm just going to serve God and stay busy until he finds me. I was asked when I was about to graduate. I don't know if I was being asked because I was about to graduate because I was marrying one of the teenagers from there. I don't know. Uh, but I was asked for I was about to graduate. Uh, what are you, where are you going after you graduate? Where are you going to serve God? I said, I'm going back to my home church where they taught me everything. I know. I said, well, what are you going to do there? I said, I'm going to start serving God. I said, but what about uh, being a pastor? What about being a missionary? What about uh, being, uh, being on staff? I said, if God wants to find me, he'll find me. He knows where I'm at. I'm just going to go serve God. I don't, I don't know. 
and I came back, and I just got busy going out soul, and got busy on a bus route, and got busy teaching Sunday school class, and, 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 and my grandpa, Pat, whatever you need me to do, I'm here to do it, okay? I need you to work with teenagers, okay? I'll work with teenagers. You say, is that your calling? I don't know. I just start serving yeah, God. And I fell in love with it. Yeah, and I fell in love with it. See, God is looking not for someone that has to critique what they want to do for God, but God is looking for someone that just says, God, I'm an empty vessel. Whatever you want, God, I'm willing to do it. Whatever you want, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's all God asks of you. By the way, Christian, that's all God asks of you also. I said it yesterday downstairs in, in the in the soul winning meeting. The church is not the pastor and the church is not the assistant pastors. The church is the people in the church. The church is not this building. If this building passes away, we still go on and we serve God and do what God asks us to do. And we do exactly what God's word says and we keep moving forward. We serve God wherever God puts us. Whatever comes our way. Like the preacher we heard this last week, he said, you think the church of Jerusalem had a building? Talking about a church on the move. They were on the move and running for their lives half the time. But the gospel was spread. The gospel was spread. Get this, ready? We learned it the other night, and I never knew these exact times. But in 32 years, it was said of that church starting in Jerusalem, they had turned the world upside down. In 32 years. I think we've done a great job. And I think, man, I think we're going to get to heaven. We're going to praise God for all that he has done. And I think we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see the multitude of people that are there from the work that's been accomplished and the soul winners and the the people of God just going out and getting busy for God. But we haven't turned Columbus upside down for God. There's still a work to do. There's still a work that needs to be done for what Christ has done for you. Save me. Set my feet on a solid rock. Number three, establish my goings. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. Most well-known verse. We don't think about it anymore. We just say it. We quote it. If you've been in church long, you've heard that verse. Proverbs 3, 5. They have songs about it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And we sing it, but we don't really believe it. And we sing it, but we don't really follow it. And we know the verse, but we don't really apply it to our lives. God can establish your goings. The Bible says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. If I commit myself to God, God will establish my goings. He'll put me on the right path. He'll, listen to me, he'll he'll, 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 uh, uh, establish my thoughts when I follow him and obey him. And I put my trust in him. But no, in Christianity, we don't want to put our trust in God anymore. But we'll talk about this more in a second. We don't want to put our trust in God anymore. And I'm headed to the actual title of the sermon. We haven't gotten there yet. Some of you are trying to figure out where this is going. Again, let's let God do something in our heart tonight. Let's not focus on, on the critiquing of how the sermon goes, but let's get what God wants for us. Again, church has become more of a ready, ready, more, ready, more of a show than it has become. Let's it, and you, you know what? You know what? What's false? It is this. 
You know why the church of Jerusalem did so much for God? Because they were on the move constantly, serving God, doing the only thing they could do. But we get this, and now we become about the building more than we come about serving God. We become more about the building than we come about our Christianity and our life. We come in and we sit in a nice facility, and we forget that, hey, there's people dying and going to hell. Hey, there's people out there that need to be raised. And hey, there's people out there that need what was given to you. They need to taste and see that the Lord is good in their life. This has become more of a hindrance to us than it's become a help to us. It's become a show. It's become a performance. And if we're not careful, we'll come into church week in and week out and year in and year out and never let God do anything in our hearts, never change, never get our deeper desire for God, lose all uh, our, our, our hearts seared, our conscience seared in our lives. Trust the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct our path. He not only saved me, he not only set my feet on solid rock, but he established my goings. God has always been good. You should think about that. God has always been good. On the mountaintop, God is good. In the valley, God is good. When the sea is calm, God is good. When the storm is raging, God is good. Listen to me. Think about the song. I'm singing this afternoon in my office studying for this. So God's been good in my life. I feel blessed with all my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Because through it all, God's been good. Remember here, Miss Miriam, she knows that song especially for me every time she sings it. The Sunday that Saturday that my mom walked out in our family. My dad was a pastor of a church. That Sunday I watched my dad get up and preach. I could tell his heart as a, as a young kid. I was 12 years old. I could tell that it just, I mean, all throughout the sermon, his, his, he was about to just break down and cry. But he got up and preached as strongly as he could and tried to help the people. Remember, after the service, we got in the van. It was middle of winter. Of course, bad things happen always in the middle of winter. And uh, <laughs> in the middle of winter, and all four of us, or yeah, four of us, are walking out and getting an old Nissan Quest van, minivan. Praise the Lord. And remember, we were sitting there, and my dad shut the door, and a tear just started coming out of his eyes. I was sitting in the front seat, and tears started coming down his eyes, and wiped it away and he reached into the glove box and you used to always get cassette tapes and you just kind of throw them in there and you didn't really know what you had half the time and you usually listen to the same thing over and over again and flip it over and say listen to it again and he reached in there and grabbed one so oh, we haven't listened to this in a while and, or we haven't listened to this and he didn't he doesn't know where he got it from we talked about that later and laughed about it and stuck it in the song came on God is good I remember as a 12-year-old boy, my dad in the front seat just sitting there having a crying fit, <laughs> talking about how good God's been. No matter what had just taken place, no matter what has happened, how good God has been. And every time I hear that song, it brings me back to that day. And you say, oh, Brother Pledger, oh, how terrible thought. No, it's a really glad thought. <laughs> it's a rejoicing, a rejoicing time. 
Because I look back and think about what God has done in my life and think about the things even since then that, that our family has gone through. And I can look, and every time I hear that song, I can honestly say, no matter what, it's been a stormy a storm or it's been calm or it's been a mountaintop or been the valley, that I know that God's been good. And nothing has changed in that. Has it changed for you? Does how life goes depend on whether God is good or not in your life? Now here, here's what we say, oh, no, no, God's always good. We don't act like that. Okay, sorry, so let's go back to 1 Corinthians, ready? We do not act like that when it comes to our body being a living sacrifice in Romans. And when it comes to that, you're not your own. You're bought with pride. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. According to that verse, no, we don't show that in our life. We say it, and it's good preaching, and we like hearing about it. But by our actions, do we show it? By our actions, do we show it? You know that some of the most happy people in church are those that have been through the most? It's amazing. You'll hear a preacher get up here and talk about how his, his wife died in an accident and was smeared all over the road. And in your mind, you're going, how could you ever live after that? And he's up here rejoicing about what God's done in his life. And we can't understand that. You know why? It's not just, hey, God's been good. He's lived it. Have you allowed God to let you live it in your life? Number four, he desires to use me. That's what Christ has done. He's desired to use me. I don't even know why. I don't understand it. But he's desired to use me. He said, Brother Pledger, but, but you know, you have a position at the church. I mean, I'm, I get to go soul winning. He desires to use me. I get to use Sunday class. He desires to use me. I get to drive a bus on Sunday. He desires to use me. I get to try to help people wherever I can. He desires to use me. I just can't believe that he desires to use me. So we know what he has done for us. Now let me ask you this, Christian. You ready? Here's the message. What are you willing to do for him? And here's the title. You ready? Here's the title. For Christ's sake, we ought to serve him. If all else fails in life, for the sake that we're doing it for our Savior, we ought to be willing to say, God, anything you want, I give it to you. If you want more time, I give it to you. If you want more finances, I'll give it to you. If, if you want more service for you in any way, God, I'll give it to you. For Christ's sake, I'll give it to you. I might not do it for my sake, and I might do it not do it for other things' sake, but for Christ's sake, I'll serve you. I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7. I want to teach you something, if I can, this evening, and try to be a help to you. You've already heard this. You've heard this a hundred times thousand times. You've already heard this, but I want to try to reiterate it to you and help try to be a help to you and encourage you tonight. First Corinthians chapter five and verse number seven, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now we know that good Christians, right? We all know this. We walk by faith and not by sight. Yeah, we're supposed to have faith in God, not walk by sight. Okay, we get that. But do we, the question is this, do we live this? Again, Christian, Christians, listen to me. We get a lot of things. 
we understand a lot of things. But it's the Bible saying, be not be uh, hearers of the word, but, uh, sorry, not doers only. Yep, that one. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking of. In James, okay, go over to James. And uh, read, read the whole book, chapter. And, uh, but, but God, listen, we're not supposed to just be hearers of the word, we're supposed to be doers of the word. So again, let's go back to the verse we're on. We walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, yeah, yeah, we walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to have faith in God and not just walk by sight everywhere we go, but just trust God. Oh, yeah, we're not supposed to just only uh, trust things that we can see, but trust things that we can't see. Okay, we understand that. But do we live it? Do we live it? Let me, let me help you understand something. What this verse is not saying, listen to me, what this verse is not saying is that we say we walk by faith because we pull a number out of the air that we can't even comprehend, and we say, I'm going to give this to the church, and God, you're going to give it to me, and I have faith. That's not faith. That's just re being retarded. That's not faith. See, we've taken faith as if I tell God what I want, then God will give it to me, and that's having faith. No, that's not faith at all. It had nothing to do with faith, not even close to faith. Faith is not just, listen to this, faith is not just trusting God for things that we do not have or need. Listen to this, ready? Faith is putting yourself in the position to have to trust God. Amen. Illustration, Amen. illustration. Somebody gives a tithes and offerings. We know a tithe is a 10%. Now I'm going to try to teach you something, try to help you see here. here. Okay, you get it. We hear this all the time. Somehow at camp, the teenagers get right with God, and I've said the same things a thousand times too. So, listen, we know that a tithe is 10%, okay? So, you ready? You take a paycheck, right? You get a paycheck, and 10% of that belongs to God, no question asked. I was helping one of our young Christians here in our church understand this this last week. So, it had it on my mind a little bit on the area of faith. You take, you take your paycheck, you take 10% belongs to God, doesn't even belong to you. Listen, it doesn't even belong to you. So I made a thousand dollars. A hundred of that belongs to God. It's not even yours, anyways. Okay, you ready? Got it? Okay. Now a tithe already belongs to God. So again, you have not actually given anything to God until you give an offering. A tithe is already God's. It belongs to Him. It's not yours at all. He's He loaned it to you to hold on to it to give it back to Him. He blessed you with a job and said, "Now ten percent of that. Remember, ten percent of that's mine. That's your tithe." Now, the offering is what you, how you show God that you love him. It shows God your gratitude towards him. So here's what we do, ready? Here's the typical independent Baptist, Christian, whatever you want to say. We say, okay, I got $1,000. I gave my tithe. And now I got to give an offering. So I'm going to spend all the money and send all my bills and get everything that I need. And then whatever's left over, I'm just going to give God. And it might be $5. Well, I gave my offering. Okay, let's go back to faith. You ready? Faith says this. Ready? Faith says this. Faith says this. God, 10% is yours. You ready? You ready? Let's talk about math and a little bit of budget real quick. Ready? God, 10% of yours. 10% is yours. Now I got all these bills I got to pay. Well, there's always some things in that list that we say are bills that are really not bills. Well, I got to get a new pair of shoes, so I got to take that out of there. And I got to go out to eat five times a week, so I got to take that out of there. And I need, you know, I need to get this new thing for the house.
else, and that's got to be fixed, so i got to take that out of there. And we get done, and we say, God, you have $5 left. I'm sorry. Okay, ready? Here, here, here's a seer for you. Ready? Walking by faith, in, when it comes to your tithes and offerings, is saying, God, here's 10% is yours. My rent is paid. My electric is paid. i got to pay those. I can't be dishonest with those. I owe those. But, God, all these other things over here, I don't have to have right now. And, God... If I have $500, I'll give you $400 knowing that you're going to take care of those things. Yeah. Now I'm walking by faith. Because yeah. I know I have need of them, and I have the money, but I'm saying, God, I'm going to give this to you. Yeah. I'm going to put myself in a position to say, God, you know all the needs that I have. I've given to you. I gave you back yours. I've taken care of what's honest for me as a Christian and my bills. But, God, all these things here, I don't have to go out to eat five times a week. I'd like to, but I don't have to go out to eat five times a week. I need new shoes. God, you know I need new shoes. By the way, God tells us in his word that you take care of whatsoever, whatsoever you drink, uh, what you eat, wherewithal should be clothed. The Lord knows you have need of these things. So why do we use God's offering and say, but I have to buy these things for myself? Why not put yourself in a position? Now, I'm not saying uh, strip all your money down and be poor and, and, and have to be homeless. I'm not saying that. At the same time, we need $500 to last three days instead of saying, God, here's $400. And God, you know what I have need of. God, I trust you. Now I am placing myself in a position to say, God, I have faith. God, I'm giving what I need here. And I'm giving it to you. And I have faith that you are going to provide for my needs. And I continue to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know how I'm going to get those things. But I know who is going to get them for me. Now, here's, here's, here's the typical person. You ready? Either we do that and we say, okay, God, all this left is $5. Or we do this. We say, we say, God, well, I'm going to give this much. Right? Let's use missions. Say, God, I'm going to give $100 a week to missions. You don't even have $25 an extra a week in your bank account. So, how, see, we say, well, that's faith. No, that's just dumb. Now, listen to this. God can't provide it. But for us to say, oh, I'm going to trust that every week God's going to give me $100 I don't have. Instead of saying, I have $100, I need it for something else. God, I'm going to give this to you in faith promise. And I'm trusting God, you've got to take care of those things. I can't give something I don't have. But I can give what I do have, and I can put myself in the position to have to get on my knees and ask God to provide for what I need. Walk by faith, not by sight. So how about it? When's the last time you put yourself in a position? Again, we don't ask you. God does not ask you to put your, put your rent in there so you're homeless. No, God's not going to ask you to do that. You owe him his tithe, and you should give from your heart of what you can but what we can is more than what we think. What we can is more than what we think. And we are more focused about self in the frills of life. Now, listen, there is nothing wrong with nice things. There is nothing wrong with that. God blesses his people and God blesses his children. And there is nothing wrong with nice things. But at the expense that we're never willing to give up. Okay, God has blessed the Pledger family, my family, sorry, my family here in Ohio, in, in our whole family, but my family. God has blessed the Pledger family. I have more than I have ever had in my life. Things, just things. Get this, you ready? And if I dare say half of them have been given to me. Oh, you're just a mooch. No, well, that too probably, but, but no. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it runs in the blood. Uh, 
I dare say half the things that I have that I look at and go, wow, I can't believe we have this. It has nothing to do with me. I told God a long time ago, God, as much as I can, I will put myself, I will put myself down to I have nothing, every paycheck if I have to, to make sure I give you yours. And God, I know you're going to take care of me every time. These pair of shoes I'm wearing right here. Someone walked up to me here in the church and said, 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 God once told me to get you a new pair of shoes. This is a while back. I've had them for about a year now. You know, you know what was funny? As I had literally just told my wife I needed a new pair of brown shoes. Now, I didn't take from my offering to go out and buy brown shoes. All right, God, you know, I did tithe, so that's what belongs to you, and I'm just going to take a little of your money and go use it for me. No, I just said, God, that's yours. That's every, every time, that's yours. And if I ever have money, I'll do it, but God, this is yours. And God said, okay, I will provide. Praise the Lord. And that has happened more times than I can count. I'm joking. I'm going to have to get a bigger garage to hold all the things that God has given me. Listen to me. God has been good. And as long as you and your Christian life get the, get the mindset down that for Christ's sake, that's what I'm going to do. And for Christ's sake, I'm going to keep serving. And for Christ's sake, I'm going to go sowing. For Christ's sake, I'm going to give up what I want to make sure he gets his. And we just start going around in our life and finding out, God, what more can I do for you? Give the more earnestly. Yeah, what more can I do for you? Not walking into our Christian life, God, what less can I do for you? I was telling, uh, uh, telling I'm, not, I'm not picking on him. I was trying, trying to counsel with him a little bit. Bryson down here. And excited for you, man. I'm really excited for you. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited for you. And uh, I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> but you have to work with. And uh, but we were talking about different things. And, and, uh, and I told him how excited I was for him. I forgot what I was going to talk about. So there you go. You're off the hook. And uh, there... But listen, so what will Christ do for you? Just give to him. Let him use you. What more? I remember now. And uh, I thought you are off the hook. And I, 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 told, I told him this, and you've seen it a thousand times. I've seen it. For some reason, young people coming up in our church, and all you teenagers, listen to me. I know it's going to be up 30 years before you get married, but listen to me. For some reason, here's the mentality. I grow up in a Christian church, and I'm serving God. I'm out soaring. I'm on the bus route. I'm teaching Sunday school. Da, 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 da. They get married, and they stop all ministries. Why does that happen? Why does this happen? We get married, and so now we're on a different level, and now I've got, you know, I've got to spend so much time with my sweetheart to make sure that we – how about get God the center? How about make God the center of what you do? How about grow in the ministry together, serving God together? How about say, in this family, for Christ's sake, we're going to keep moving Amen. forward. And for Christ's sake, we're going to have little if we have to, but we're going to give back to God and make sure that we give to God first, knowing that he's going to bless me. We might have to walk by faith sometimes, but I'd rather walk by faith than not by sight. I'd rather be surprised at what God has done for me than be shocked and understand that I did it all myself. You know, what, what's the difference? Walk by faith and not by sight for Christ's sake. We say we have faith. We say we trust God. But are you willing to go through it for him?
Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Can I say, can I say, can I say this? The reason why you are not involved as much as you should be is because your treasure is not here. The reason why our pastor for 35 years has given everything he has to this place is because his investment was here. Now he gets nothing back on his investment monetary but he gets to see what God does. And the reason why we are not invested in Anchor Baptist Church as much as we say we are, which most of it's a lie, let's be honest, and as much as we think we are, is because we are not invested here with our treasures. The Bible is very clear. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When your treasure is built up in monetary things of this world, that's where your heart's at. It's not here. It comes time to give a big offering. We don't want to give a big offering because my treasure is somewhere else. Hey, we need people to help teach Sunday class. Oh, no, I can't teach Sunday class. Why? Because your treasure is somewhere else. Oh, we need help around the church with this, around the church with that. Oh, I can't make it because my treasure is somewhere else. We're more caught up in the things of this world than, listen, ready, 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 for Christ's sake. Okay, don't do it for me. Don't do it for pastor. For Christ's sake. Let's serve God for Christ's sake. For all that he's done for us on the cross and everything that he's given us for Christ's sake. We should be willing, God, whatever you want, I'm willing to give it to you. What's wrong with our churches in America? We've lost that mentality of for Christ's sake, I'm going to do this. said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. Our job as a Christian is to lift up Christ in everything we do, every day we live. To glorify him in our body and in our spirit. To be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which our reasonable service. We love him because he first loved us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5 and verse number 6, or sorry, verse number 5 through verse number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Second Corinthians, I'm going to put that up there, it was clean. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 5, let's read these verses together, I want you to understand this, what's being said. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants of Jesus uh, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the dark, out of out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Church, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. We may be cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing abound in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, 
that the life also that of Jesus might be made manifest, ready, in our body. The life of Jesus may be made manifest in our body. Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify who? Your Father. They may glorify who? Your Father. See, we are so caught up in this world. I told the teenagers this morning the wrong, what's wrong with dancing. It's all about self and brings attention to self and sensuality and not attention to God. Why is it worldly people have a hard time singing the praises of God? Because it's not about them. Not about them at all. We are supposed to, in our body, we are supposed to lift up the name of Jesus Christ in everything we do for Christ's sake. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 29, and we're almost done. Philippians chapter number 1, and verse number 29. For unto you it is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake. Paul tells the church of Philippi, you're going to suffer for his sake. It's been given to us. It's been given to us. Christian, freely, freely, Freely given to us. We can't suffer for his sake. Well, you know, I can't go a week without doing this. Oh, really? Well, you know, I just, you know, I need to have this at the house, and you know, I can't live without it. We've become a very selfish society. And if we could, if, we, if they, they need to invent time travel, but if we could pick up the whole church and drop you in Pakistan for one service. Drop you in Ghana for one service. It will put us to shame in our Christianity. Listen to me. It'll put us to shame. Because they truly desire to serve God. Oh, they truly desire to serve God. And we think we're suffering for Jesus to give up one meal a week. And we think we're suffering for Jesus because we can't have the nicest things and, you know, we can't buy the newest stuff. And No, we're not suffering at all. Until you've given all. Given all. Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 17, well-known verse. He is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, Christian here, this is your, ready, this is you, it's supposed to be you, that in all things, he may have the preeminence. I look at my life and I say, God, you get first dibs. Bad English. God, you get first pick, the first fruit. All things, you have the preeminence. 
When I look at what I want, but I look at what you need, and I say, God, I want what you need to be taken care of. And God, in doing that, I have faith you're going to provide for my needs. You're going to take care of me every single day. I know it. I don't have to question it. Because, God, I'm giving it to you. Will you do it for Christ's sake? Will we get through 2024 and make it to 2025 for Christ's sake? If Anchor Baptist Church dies, it'll be because we did not love God as much as we said we would. This is the honest truth. For Christ's sake, how about for others' sake? How about for the gospel's sake? Mom and Dad, how about for your family's sake? Will you serve God? Will you live for Him? I love seeing all the kids showing up on Sundays and Saturdays, Sunday mornings and Saturdays, on the buses. Well, I never get to spend time with my family. Okay, get on the bus together. Can't really get away from them at that point. Well, you know, Saturdays, I just never get to spend time with them. Okay, I listen to me. I have four kids. I understand that. So I take them on the bus route with me on Saturday morning and spend time with them Saturday afternoon if I can. See, we've made every excuse. And nothing that we say has anything to do for Christ's sake. Well, God, we want the blessings. But God, this is mine. God, we need you to help us. But God, don't take that. Hey, God, we want a great church to go to. But God, I can't give what I, I should. I know I should. But I, you know, I need to get all these things. For Christ's sake, will we give? For Christ's sake, will we serve? For Christ's sake, will we surrender? For Christ's sake, will we suffer? For Christ's sake, will we sacrifice? be the living sacrifice that God demands. We say we love God. The question is, don't say, don't just say we love him, do we live it? Christian, ask yourself that, do I live it? I can say there's areas in my life that I need to fix. I can say right now, there's areas in my life that I need to fix and do better in giving them to God. How about you? Oh, Brother Pleasure, he does good, good scripture and a good sermon. Oh, so is that, we're already back to that. We haven't even left yet. Oh, that was okay. You know, it, you know it, was, it was okay. And yeah, I love the church. Man, I hurry. I got to get home. I got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, we're already there again. What happened to our Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I might be knocked down my mouth for God about this once. I have been deserted. God has not left me. God has done so much for me. It's pathetic. Oh, my goodness. God has helped me in my life get through so many things I don't understand. I don't understand. I can't even begin to tell you. 
some of the things that God's holding me against. I don't understand that. Pastor, you've asked me that. I don't understand that. I don't understand sometimes how I'm still standing in church. I don't understand it. I may never do great things for God, but if I could do just something for Christ's sake. If I can just be a good testimony to, for my boys and my kids to grow up to serve God, I don't care what it is, I just want to do it. If I give away everything I had, for Christ's sake, I would. No, I wouldn't. Like Job, he'd get it back. He got it right back. God bless him again. One of the greatest joys you'll ever have in your life as a Christian is for you to look back at your life and go, wow. God's been good. You say, well, for the pleasure, you don't understand what you're facing right now. Oh, I understand what I'm facing. And listen to me over and over and over and over and over again. I've said to myself, but God's still been good. I don't care what happens. God's been good. I don't care. God's still been good. He's always taking care of me no matter what I face. He's always taking care of me. And my only goal in life is for Christ's sake. If I can just lift up this word one more time and preach it, I'm happy. If I can just give the gospel to one more person, I'm satisfied. If I can just get up another Sunday morning and come to the house of God and rejoice and cry and, and sing the praises of God, I'm, I'm pleased. I don't need the great things. I don't need the fancy things, but I just want to do what's right for Christ's sake. Head about, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How about it, Christian?